God is good, amen. amen. The Bible says he's coming back for a glorious church, amen. And you know, that's his inheritance. You know, that, that scripture, it's in uh, uh, Ephesians 1.18. A lot of people preach that as being our inheritance, but the Bible actually says that it's his inheritance in the saints. And so what we understand, if you actually study out, there is an inheritance that God receives. And the Bible actually talks quite a bit about that. Maybe at some point I'll preach on that. But, but there is an inheritance for God in us. Amen? And when it says that Jesus is coming back for a glorious church, that's what he's coming back for. He's coming back to receive his inheritance. Amen? Praise the Lord. Well, I don't know if you're excited, but I get excited because that means if I get to partake of his inheritance, you know, inheritance, uh, if you just inherited debt or if you just inherited trouble or trial, you know, we wouldn't consider that a good inheritance, right? But God, God's coming back for a glorious church, a glorious inheritance. Amen. And so that's what he's looking for. And so I want to be that. I want to exemplify that in my life. Now, I'm not going to get there on my own. You won't get there on your own. But as we trust God and allow him to work in us, he's certainly we certainly will see that you know one of the one of the greatest things I've learned of late and it ke just keeps coming to me more and more in fact even as my wife has talked about this I preached about it my wife was talking about it she's preached about it but this idea that the plan of God unfolds in our lives as we live with him it's not a plan that you just find it's like oh what's God's plan it's written in the stars right that it's already inscri inscribed on tablets somewhere and and that plan is, is exactly set in stone. See, sometimes when we read Jeremiah 29, 11, we can tend to think of things that way, but God doesn't have just a set plan like that. But what we understand is that God makes plans for us. He makes plans for us where we're at and according to how we move. And, and as we, God's plan is not a matter of just finding it once, knowing it, and then going on with it. But God's plan only unfolds as you walk it out. And so God's plan, you'll never know the fullness of God's plan while you live here on earth. You will only know the part that you're in. Amen? So there's a plan that God has for us that unfolds as we walk it out. But what, what, what is so good about that? Well, it makes it really, it makes life really interesting, doesn't it? Because, you know, other things can shift and other things can change. But, but no matter how those things do, God will move us in, into his plan and how he has us to walk things out. And it's really quite amazing. How he knows how to, how to do all that, I don't know. But that, that he does that, I do know. And, and that has been a great blessing to my life. Because you know what that also does? It takes the pressure off of us to try to be something today. Right? Or try to, oh, I, you know, I've got to be this. No, you just got to be what God has you to do right now. You deal with it. You know, there was that song. I remember uh, when I was a kid, there was this, uh, this, this album. Remember they used to advertise certain albums on TV? If you grew up in the 80s or you watched TV in the 80s, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But there was this one woman, I can't remember what her name was, but she would sing these Christian songs. Uh, you probably remember, if you're of a certain age, you'll remember what I'm talking about. She had short hair. Of course, in the 80s, I mean, that was kind of common for women. Is yet, uh, uh, but she had that short, uh, that short haircut, but she sang, one, uh, one Day at a Time, Sweet Jesus. Remember that song? Does anyone remember hearing that song? And I don't know if it's biblically accurate or any of that stuff, but I just remember that, and that, that song was an impression on me, and it still speaks to me, obviously, even all these years later, one day at a time, taking it one day at a time, and knowing that God walks with you every day through everything. Amen? And with that, I guess we can segue into the message. You know, I love it when I don't plan on an introduction and God just delivers a bunch of things over to me. I believe it was him because it sounded good and I don't sound very good when I speak on my own accord. So we'll just go with that was God, amen, and, and, and it'll bless us because it was scriptural. But with that, we'll segue into today's message, which is God's grace. Um, I'm really excited about this because it's some things that the Lord taught me, actually really taught me really strongly over in Kenya. And I ministered according uh, to, to some of those things uh, over there at least one of the services but you know I, I really felt that I needed to bring it here too and what I'm bringing to you is not the message I preach but I'm bringing the lesson that was taught yeah. amen so I'm not bringing the message I preached in other words I don't remember the scriptures I used or or the things I specifically said but I remember that the the lesson that God taught me and that's what I want to talk about today and of course I'm going to go to some scriptures actually we got a lot hopefully we get through all of them because as as always they're all important for us but uh, but God's grace is an important thing for us to understand God's grace is working in our lives all the time and when we understand this and how God's grace work uh, there's certain things
things, certain things we won't fall victim to anymore. Amen. And really that's wrong thinking. But there's a few thoughts I wrote down and I want to share them with you. God's grace is like, he showed me this this morning as I woke up early. First thing that was on my heart and I don't know why, uh, why it was like this, but, but God's grace are like shocks in a car. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, of course, whenever I think about car, I get car illustrations off, and I always think about, about my brother, Denny. So the Lord continually brings you before me, and uh, uh, Denny, uh, and, and, and I just think that's a blessed thing, and I just wanted to share that with you because it's not a just, but that's a connection we have, and whatever God uses, you know, Paul talked about this. He said, uh, as off, I make mention of you in my prayers, and he talked about that as often as he thinks about uh, that person. So whenever God brings them up, that's an opportunity to pray for someone, and, yeah. and so God God's grace is working in you, brother, in case you, even if you didn't know it, but I, I believe it. Praise God. But, uh, uh, but I would say, he, it, it was, I woke up with that in my heart. God's grace is like shocks in a car. You know, shocks in a car is not something we typically think about, is it? Driving down the street, you don't think about your shocks. You think about the steering wheel, think about the brake pedal, the gas pedal, the seat, how comfortable it is, how comfortable it's not. But you don't often think about the shocks. When you think about the shocks is when they fail. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Amen. Sometimes you might think about them as you go over a bump, but you think about them even more when you go over a bump and they're not there. I had a car um, when I was uh, in my teen years. Uh, uh, it was one of, one of my first vehicles. It was a 1982 Chevette. I'm not going to tell you what I called it because it involved a really bad word, but it, it sounded like it go good with Chevette. And that's about how it ran. It wasn't a Corvette. It was a Chevette. Amen. And, uh, but it, it was, uh, this, this car was a real piece of work. It was a good lesson in humility. Amen. But uh, praise, I didn't understand it then, but you know, I was blessed to have it. I, I was fortunate enough to, uh, to, to have it because it did get me around better than walking did. And so I would have complained, but, but you know, I had one door, the passenger side door didn't stay closed. It would open randomly by itself. Uh, and I found that out one time as I was turning a corner. I was driving my high school girlfriend at the time back to her house. And as we were going around the corner, I just got this car as we were going around the corner, um, you know, because I didn't take corners lightly anyways. I was, you know, probably 17 years old or, or something like that. And I took the cor corner probably about 30 miles an hour. And as I did, that door flew, flew open and I was like instant reaction. I just reached over and grabbed her by the back of the neck and kept her from falling out. So that was a that was the kind of that was the kind of uh, the vehicles I drove. We uh, the windows rolled up. It was a two door car. The windows rolled up all but that much. And so in the winter time, when I would come out, I had the nice pleather seats. You know, they weren't even pleather; they were plastic. And uh, I would come out. Uh, you know, I I always parked on Institute Street by the by the uh, high school, which was also kind of. Uh, 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 famously known as the smoker's corner and I was a smoker back then so I would go out that way and we would park down there and and I would come to a car would have dusting of snow over the seat and I had a blanket in the front seat and a blanket in the back seat just to keep people warm because the heater didn't work and uh, you, you know that car but that car I remember one day I was coming out of my friend Mark's house it was one morning uh, I was coming out of his house I'd stayed the night at his house and, 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 and I walked out and I said what is that on my hood my hood looked like it had been beaten up from the inside out you know and I, I so I opened the hood and what it was is a is it is it a strut that's in the front uh, on those cars I don't know I, I think it's a front strut or whatever it's like a shock though right yeah uh, it had broken through the the tire well or whatever the 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 vehicle and as I drove it was it was uh, it, it was shaping the hood of my vehicle amen and so after that, and I remember my, my stepdad, he always, he always had a real good engineering ability. And that wasn't a professional, it was kind of an old school backwoods engineering kind of ability that he had. And he would fix it off in that car. In fact, one of the way, the way he fixed the car door that opened randomly is he drilled a hole through the top of the roof and he ran a coat hanger through it and, and <laughs> wired it. And that's how we, so everybody had to enter on, on, on the, in fact, actually it was that car that my brother, uh, my brother worked at a, uh, a garage, like a service station, and, and he had taken it in to get uh, snow tires on it or something, studded tires on it, I think is what it was. And uh, his, his boss asked him, he said, he said, whose car is this? And he said, it's my brother's car. He said, do your parents hate him? Because <laughs> <laughs> it was, now, now, that wasn't my mom's fault. Uh, you know, it was, it, uh, it, it was the way it was back then. And it was, like I said, though, but I'm telling you, I wouldn't have this wonderful story if I didn't have that wonderful car and I think about those times very fondly. I also had a Mercury Topaz. It was an 85 Mercury Topaz and that car did this thing. We called it the Topaz Shake 
When it would hit 28 miles an hour, that thing would shake violently until you hit 31 miles an hour, and then it would go away. But for some reason, between 28 miles an hour and 31 miles an hour, that car would just go like that. And I called it the Topaz Shake. That was our, my, but at any rate, I had some interesting vehicles. And again, it built lots of character in me and gave me lots of sermon illustrations. But that shock in that car, uh, you know, that after that thing uh, had announced itself, it was very uh, evident that it was there. And every time I hit a bump, I would see the hood of the car, you know, and get, just go like that and get another dent in it. And praise the Lord. But, you know, uh, that, that's the way it is with God's grace. You know, we, God's grace is there for us all the time. But God's grace isn't always noticeable until we need it. Until it's something, until it becomes important in our life. And I know I shared that story, but you know, Jesus, I've realized why Jesus shared illustrations that, were, that we could understand and pertain to life. Because you know, the, the, he, he shared the things that would make sense to the people, amen? And when the Lord shared that with me, I believe that that would make sense to us. That you know, it, 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 there's something that's important, it's necessary, but not something that's always seen or thought about. God's grace in times of happiness, in times of joy, in times of, of easygoing, smooth sailing, you know, easy seas, no waves. God's grace, you know, we don't even think about it. But God's grace is a very, very special thing for us. In fact, it's one of the most uh, uh, special things for us because it's through his grace that we receive salvation. You know, we, 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 we partake of that grace through faith, but salvation comes to us through grace. It's God's grace. Amen. Grace is not, uh, and I want to start right off the bat with this, is that grace is not a feeling, uh, that, 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 or it's not feeling like you can. It's not feeling like you have the ability. That's not what God's grace is. And so often we, we confuse it with that. You know, um, praise the Lord. I, I've heard it said so many times in our circles, especially, and I don't know who, where this saying came from, but some of you in here may have heard it, that God's grace has left me for this, this thing or that thing. Rachel, you remember that? Uh, growing up in our, our circles, we'd hear that, oh, the grace has left me, the grace has left me. But if that's true, uh, what's that? I said there were so many times I remember saying Oh, yeah, I said it too. Whenever I got into something I didn't want to do, the first thing I'd say is God's grace is left for it. You know? And I thought, but man, God, you still make me be in this position for an awful long time after you pulled your grace away. And then I would ask questions like, well, why does God's grace leave? And what I've realized is God's grace doesn't leave us. God's grace is continually with us. It's a misunderstanding because what we see is we see we, we, fail, we fail at our strength. We think that God's grace has left us. And actually, the message I'm getting into today, the Bible teaches us this. Even when the grace isn't there, even when we feel like giving up, uh, even when it's, or especially then, that's where God's grace is really working in us. Amen. Praise the Lord. So God's grace is not feeling like you can. It's trusting him while you do. Amen? It's not feeling like you can. It's trusting him while you do. So God's grace is not a matter of, 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 of feeling like it. Even feel, not feeling able, not feeling good, not feeling anything. Not even feel, you know, nothing good. And I really want to emphasize this because so often we think because we feel bad that somehow we've gotten out of the grace of the Lord. And don't we know if, we've, if we're out, if we, if we, and now don't get me wrong, you can step out from out from his grace. If you turn, if you decide to turn away from God and not live for him. Yeah. I'm not talking about being a Christian and making mistakes, even being a Christian making a lot of mistakes. How about this? I'll take it as far as this. I'm not even talking about being a Christian and making the most mistakes that any Christian has ever made and still being a Christian. So that, that, that can pretty much clear anybody in this room, right? Because I don't think anybody in here has lived in that place. In fact, I, I look around as I see the people in here, I see a bunch of people that, that, that want to live right before the Lord. Uh, you're learning maybe, but you still want to. And so you haven't even defaulted to that place. But even in people, who, even in Christians who, who are making the most mistakes possible, God's grace is still available and still there for them. It's actually still working in their life. You don't even know it. I thought about so many times in my life, I thought about, uh, you know, my weaknesses in my flesh and how I wanted to give up and how I wasn't able and I never saw myself and many times still never see myself in the light that God sees me. And folks, I want you to understand when I preach about these things, when I talk about these things, when I speak about my weaknesses, I don't speak about them from a standpoint that I want you to feel sorry for me. And I don't speak, them, uh, speak about them from such a standpoint that I feel sorry for myself because I really don't. 
The reason I speak about them is because I'm talking about, uh, I'm, I'm relaying what God does in my life. The fact that I don't feel able most of the time speaks more greatly of his, of his grace in my life than it does anything else. Because I'm the least of the ones that were going to make it. I'm the least of the ones who were able. I'm the least of the ones who wanted to. I really am. That's what you see when you, see, when you, when you look at me. You see uh, a person who has been marked by their inability in life. You can ask uh, those who know me, you know, especially in my younger life, every single thing that I put my hand to seemed to fail. And why did it? I believe that the Lord allowed that to happen. I believe he allowed me to have a lot of screw-ups because in allowing me to do that, I learned to depend on him and not myself. You know, there's so many people, and I actually feel uh, worse for them now. You know, I remember so many times in my life thinking, man, I just wish I was able to do it like they could. Man, I wish I could just speak like they could, or we're as strong as they were, or we're as, uh, you, you know, as, as uh, uh, upfront or charismatic or any of these things. And now all those things I see as a liability. Yeah. yeah, because when I look at somebody who's charismatic, I think, man, you've got to overcome that charismatic uh, being because, the, because God isn't going to use you according to your uh, charismania. He isn't going to use you according to your abilities or according to your, you know, whatever, whatever it is that sets you apart and makes you special in the natural. God doesn't use you according to those things. In fact, I found a lot of times that in people that are very able in something, God will use them less in those things, at least for a time. And there's nothing wrong with that. Amen. God's grace is working in us all the time. Amen. Grace is the Spirit's work in us to enable us to fulfill his will. It's the Spirit's work in us to enable us to fulfill his will. That's what it is. It, 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 is, it is completely aside from who you are, what you feel like, and aren't you glad? Because how many days do you wake up and not feel like it, right? But you still got to. I know I'm speaking at least to the mothers in here. How many times have you woke up and you're like, I, I, I just don't feel like I can, but you have to, because what choice do you have, right? And really, as Christians, sometimes we need to get to that place where we look at, at this race just like that, where we realize what choice do we have? You know, I love the, the, the disciples' response to Jesus when he offended everybody, right? And they all left him. And he looks at the disciples and he says, you want to go too? I mean, that's just so bold and so amazing. I wish I had that boldness. I don't have that boldness. Because as soon as I saw people starting to walk out, I'd be like, hey, wait a minute. I was just kidding. I was a little bit too harsh. You know what I mean? Just come back in. Let's try this again. You know, but not Jesus. Jesus is like, there you go. And the disciples, they answered rightfully. They said, well, where else would we go, God? What, else, what other hope do we possibly have? And, you know, that's what I love about coming to God. You know, it's not about coming to a specific church. It's not about being connected to a certain group. It's about learning to come to him. And so wherever we learn that, that's what matters. Well, however we can connect to God, that's what matters. God uses a crazy, unable people. He uses the least of people. The worst. I mean, the, in Paul, the Apostle Paul really saw this. We, we see this reflected in all of his ministry. The most, I mean, one of the strongest Christians we can imagine, other than Christ himself, obviously, and the strongest Christian we can imagine. And here he is, like, he's so humble. And there's so many times where he's just, like, talking about his weaknesses and his inability. And I've heard preachers that have tried to take Paul's weaknesses and say, well, that's not what he really meant because, you know, Paul couldn't have been weak. You know, we'll be talking about that maybe if I ever get there, but the thorn in Paul's flesh, I was saying this last night, you know, there was no indication that it ever went away from him. Scripture doesn't give us any indication that he ever was able to overcome that. But God just said, deal with it. And it's amazing to me that, that, that those kinds of stories are there. You know, when Paul was talking about, I think, to, well, to the Corinthians, whether it was first or second, I can't remember. It's around, uh, it's in the, like the second cha uh, chapter of one, either first or second, so you find it quickly. But he talks about being with them in weakness and much fear and trembling. And, and some people are like, I've heard preachers say, oh, that was a holy fear. But if you look in Acts, I think it's 18, Acts 18, uh, he talks about going into Corinth and he said, the Holy Spirit actually spoke to Paul and said, no longer be afraid. Yeah. So Paul was afraid to speak in front of people. Yeah. 
He was afraid to speak to the Corinthians. And actually, if you study out the Corinthians, it's a really interesting thing about Paul because here's the Apostle Paul. He wasn't articulate like some of the others were. He wasn't like the philosophers that they were expecting. He was actually kind of dumb. And this is where the whole, not dumb, but, but in the way of his speech, in their eyes, he would have been dumb. He wouldn't have been the college graduate. He didn't have the, the master's degree with summa cum laude or something like that. I don't even know what that is, but I think it's good, right? And, 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 and it's like he didn't have any of those things. And that's where we get, where, where, where Paul talks about, uh, you know, God uses the foolish things to confound the wise. Amen? And now if you graduated super cum laude and, you know, better and brighter than everybody else, that doesn't mean that God can't use you either. That's what you graduated, right? Yeah, that's what you did. See, God uses her as well, amen, just in a different way. And, but that's not because she doesn't rely on that for him to use her. She relies on his grace. And so each of us, as we do, as we walk this life out, we need to rely, we need to learn to rely in faith on God's grace. What is that? Lord, I trust you for this. I don't feel able. Be, be, be uh, real when you go to God. God, I don't feel like I can. Do you know there's a back and forth? Actually, the whole book of Psalms, or a lot of Psalms are really like that. They're a lamenting of a godly person going before the Lord saying, I, I feel like I'm losing. I don't feel like I can. I mean, when you look at the Ecclesiastes, you see a person who's reflecting back on their life and they're saying, it was all vanity, all the things that I tried to accomplish. And then again, the focus is on God. And you see this throughout Scripture. You know, when we really honestly take a look at it, we see that, that David went through such horrible things and yet he was called a man after God's own heart in times where he failed, times when he was looking at Bathsheba and did even worse. And, you, you know, the things that, 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 all the things that David did. But in that, his heart was turned towards God. He realized his utter worthlessness uh, aside from God. Amen. Praise the Lord. I love the account when David was brought the, uh, the, the, the water. He said, oh, if I could only have a, a drink from the, the, the well in Jerusalem, right? I think I'm saying that correctly. And, and, he, and so these guys that loved David, they were his men, the ones that is his, his armor bearers, so to speak, the ones who propped him up. They were like, man, he wants that and we got to give it to him. So they, they, they snuck in, covert operation. They're like the Navy SEALs. They go in unannounced quietly and they get a cup of water and bring back to the man, their man of God. And what's he do? He says, this is so precious, I can't even drink it, and pours it out. That's amazing to me. It's amazing to me, that, that thought process, honoring those things so much, you know, and realizing the, the work and knowing that it's all by God's grace. Amen? And that's how we're to live life. So now we probably better get into some scripture. Amen? Since I talked half my time away. Second, uh, uh, Second Corinthians 5, 7. Praise Jesus. Second <clears throat> Corinthians 5, 7. And this is really just a jumping off point scripture. It says here, <clears throat> For we live by faith, not by sight. That's pretty simple, right? I mean, that's a pretty short verse. We live by faith and not by sight. And Paul was telling this to the Corinthians, we're not looking at the things that look like it. We live by faith. And really what this is saying is we live by grace. You know, it says faith and it means faith. And I'm not taking away from the fact that it means faith. But as we'll see, faith is God. It's trusting God's grace. Amen. If you're in the will of God, grace is already there. You don't have to wait for it. You just have to trust it. And this is something that we have to understand. If you're in God's will, his grace is there to help you accomplish. Now, I've seen a lot of people say that, you know, the Lord, the Lord will uh, get us through this. And they're saying that in a situation where they've, they've left God or they've looked away from God or they're doing things on their own accord. And God's grace, yes, it will help get you through it, but that doesn't mean it'll always make things better. So if you keep mucking things up, you know, obviously that's something that, 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 that you might have to deal with. But even God's grace will help you deal with the consequences. There were some consequences that I, I, I dealt with for over two decades of something that I did. Now I prayed, Lord, can't you just take it away? And certainly maybe he could just take it away. But the answer was, I ain't gonna. I'm not gonna take it away from you. How many times have I prayed to God, Lord, just take away this. I'm truly repentant, truly sorry. And I mean truly changed my ways. But God's answer is no, I'm not taking it away. 
Why? Because he, he, wants, to, he wants me to rely on his grace. Yes. Not on, uh, not, God's grace is an erasure of all things that you've done bad. God's grace is to support you while you're doing his work. Amen? Praise God. I want to share with you Ephesians 2, 6 through 8, and you can just write it down. We're going to look at it up here. It says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Right? Now, we know this scripture, right? As Christians, we should know this scripture. This should be one that we've, we, we at least recognize as, as of hearing before. But how many times, honestly, as a Christian, do you feel like you're raised up and seated in heavenly places? You know, I know the Bible says that the devil's under our feet, but don't we feel sometimes like we're under the devil's feet? Don't you feel like you're just getting your rear end kicked all over the place sometimes? Right? You don't feel like you're raised up, but look, what does the Bible say? It says that we've been raised up in order that in the coming... No, that was... Go ahead. Go, you did good. Yep. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incom incomparable riches of his grace. So in, in, in the ages, the coming ages, it, that means from that point on, Right? He's going to show his incomparable, his incomparable riches of his grace. Do you know when we're in heaven, when we're in our glorified bodies, we're not going to need God's grace. We will have partook of God's grace, but God's grace doesn't have to come help us overcome anymore. We aren't going to do things by his grace in heaven. We'll do things in his presence, which is much different, right? But this is talking about here is where, uh, 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 is we're here on earth. And, and how, and you know, as we break the scripture down and just look at it, this grace is expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So, so God's grace was expressed not in how we feel, not what we're looking for, not what we're hoping to see, but what we've already seen. And that is that Jesus Christ, God, came down and lived in the flesh as a human, suffered in the flesh as a human so that we could overcome. To show us that by his spirit, we will always be able to overcome. That no matter what comes against us, we can rise above those things. And that's what it was. God's grace was expressed to us in his kindness. We're looking for God's grace, but God's grace is already present. It's already in your life. If you've received, in fact, even if you haven't received of what God has done, his grace is still working in you because the Bible tells us that his Holy Spirit is here convicting the world of sin, trying to bring people into the things of God. So even the worst of sinners who's out there completely ignoring the things of God, God's grace is working in their life to lead them to repentance, to bring them into that place of, of the knowledge of his presence in their lives. And what God can do. So see, look how good God's grace is. It doesn't matter how bad you are. God's grace is still active. But once you become a believer, God's grace is guaranteed. It's guaranteed there. You know, uh, in the world, they can't be guaranteed of overcoming the worst sinner in the world. They can't be guaranteed unless they receive to partake of what God has given. Go ahead and do the ver next verse. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. What you feel when you feel is you're feeling your own worth or your own uh, lack of it. When you feel able, you're not feeling God's grace. You're feeling your own worth, your own ability. And just the same, when you feel the inability to do something, you're not feeling the lack of God's grace. You're feeling your own inability. God never told us to walk, live by our faith. He said live by his faith, not by sight. And the sight, obviously, is not just the things that we see, but it's the things we experience. It's what we know. It's, what we, it's, it's kind of like what our life, uh, what, what, what we partake of in our life. We're not supposed to live by those things. And yet, where, where's depression caused? Depression, things like depression can be caused from, from our in, own inability, what we can't do or where we perceive we're not. But if we understand that we're already seated in heavenly places with Christ, that means God's grace is already working in us. And the guarantee of that is the fact that Jesus came. Amen? Amen. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about where this message came from, my week in Kenya. You know, when, we, when I flew over there, I flew over there, I believe, by the direction of God. I still believe it was the direction of God. And it seems, as it pans out, that that's exactly what happened. 
But I was flying really into an unknown, unknown experience, unknown things. I never experienced anything like this in my life. I've seen how the last two trips that the Lord, uh, I do also believe, sent me on. Those last two trips definitely started preparing me for these things. But uh, nothing could prepare me for the things that I would see. And, you know, when I went to Kenya, you know, I, I have ways of, uh, of operation in my life. You know what I mean? There's ways I do things. We all have ways of doing things. You know, maybe you fix breakfast a certain way or you wake up at a certain time and you do things in a certain order. We all can have order to our lives. Even when my life was disordered, I had kind of order and disorder. You know what I mean? I, I, my disorder was ordered, you know? And so, so even that was my way. And so you be accustomed to things. And, and when I prepare, there's certain things that I do to prepare so I can minister to people. And sometimes even just after ministering a Saturday and a Sunday, I, I can be completely exhausted uh, in, in the ministry. And then so when we add Tuesdays on top of it, to be honest with you, when I finish Saturday and Sunday, the last thing I want to think about is ministering on a Tuesday. The reason I do it is because it's needful for you. And so I, I, I endeavor to do that. But uh, sometimes Tuesdays and Saturdays are the hardest days of my life. In fact, when we have those semester breaks or whatever on Tuesdays, I always have a little bit of a... You know what I mean? Like when the work is done and you're just like, now I can relax. I Honestly, that's, that's the battle that I go through. And so it, it costs me a lot to be in ministry. It costs me a lot to be here. And I don't say that for you to feel bad for me, but I say that as an example, that God's grace works in me the entire time. But I didn't really ever understood that, understand that. And here I have the time. I can get quiet before the Lord, which are all things that I depend on in order to do what God has called me to do. Um, and I've, of course, I preach on those things and told you about them many times. But when I got to Kenya, it was hit the ground running and we didn't stop for 10 days. I mean, we didn't stop for 10 days. I've never been that exhausted in my life. It was nonstop and the heat and everything that was working against me, my flesh, everything in my flesh was screaming, uh, you know, but I just, I couldn't even stop. And actually, I didn't even get homesick till the very end because I didn't even have time to sit and think about home. That's how much it was. It was just go, 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 go. And I would come to the pulpit and I, I, I was like, uh, I, I came to the pulpit and I didn't have anything prepared because the Lord had actually dealt with me about not preparing before I went. That's how the Lord dealt with me. So in the weeks, weeks beforehand, I start, okay, Lord, I start seeking the Lord. Lord, is there things that you want me to minister in Kenya? And the only thing I kept getting is prepare for it when it's there. Not the, not the word of the Lord, but that's just what seemed good to me. That's what seemed right to me. And so I trusted in that. But then I get there thinking I would have, you know, plenty of time in the morning or whatever. What I didn't know is that I wouldn't wake up early in the morning like I do here because I was so tired that I would sleep in. And many times I was sleeping in past day. I'd already start breakfast and I was, I was, and then I would be like, okay, what time do we have to get going? Well, we really need to leave the house by eight o'clock. Eight o'clock, we need to leave the house by eight. That means that if I was going to do any kind of studying, any kind of, and the breakfast was long because we'd sit and talk and it was kind of expected, you know, so at least an hour for breakfast. So if we're leaving at 8, that means that I have to get up at, you know, 6.30 to even be ready for breakfast, basically, and much less about spending time with God and being able to prepare. And so I was thinking about this, and what am I going to do? And I just got, kind of got thrown at, but I didn't even have time to really think about that. So I was like, okay, here we are again, another meeting. Well, one time he turns to me, he's done preaching, he looks at me, he's like, you got anything? I'm like, guess so, you're all done, so I guess it's my turn, because we got, we got time to go. And I said, like, well, what, what time is the meeting? He said, oh, we're going to start at 8.30 in the morning. Oh, that's great, well, what time do we end? Well, it's 6 o'clock at night. Well, 5 o'clock at night, but then we ended up actually ending at 6 o'clock at night. And, uh, you, you, you know, so there's, so there's, uh, what, what what I'm trying to present to you is not my hardships, but what I'm trying to present to you is my utter uh, inability as a human. I looked at this and I was like, I can't do this. But I didn't even have time to think about it that way. See, if I had thought about that at home, that's how I would have thought. And then about the last day, really about the last day, and that's what I think I ministered to the, the Bible school students there um, the last day. I was the special speaker, which was amazing because I didn't even graduate high school. And here I am at a, 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 a you know, a, a, like a college type graduation and I'm the speaker, right? How does that work out? How does God do that? I don't know. But it was a moment in my life. I was like, wow, God, where you brought me to, you know? Uh, but, uh, but I ministered on God's grace. And just before, and this was the message, that how it came to me as I was sitting there waiting for my turn to go up. Just before I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I'm like, God, I started reflecting on my week. I'm like, Lord, how did I do this? How was I able to do this? 
because I mean there was so there was times when even the music was so loud I couldn't hear myself think when I would be ministering to somebody and the music was pounding in my ears and if you know me that's not something that I love I used to love it when I was a kid but not not so much anymore and it was just causing me I couldn't even hear my own words coming out of my mouth and that was intense and it was stressing me out and it was kind of just you know there was this stress and this pressure and I was and then now I'm reflecting on this week and I'm like Lord how did you bring me to this place and then he starts teaching me about his grace I said where was God's grace I think I actually even said that where was your grace where's your grace been and it was as if these words came to me it was there all the time that's how you did what you were able to do and the fact that you did it is proof that my grace was there because I know I couldn't do it on my own and it blew my mind I couldn't believe it I was like see I always intended I always thought that God's grace was something I'd feel I never once felt able when I was on that trip not one time not one time did I feel like I could do this not one time and yet I did I didn't do it by my ability I didn't do it by the good things that are in me or the things that, that, that you know, I, I, my, my, my extra ability to speak or anything because I don't have that. I didn't do it by anything inward in of myself except for God's spirit working on the inside of me. And the reason that this is so important for us to understand is because we're not all going to be called to preach in Kenya, but we're all called to do things for God, aren't we? And many times, most of the time, I mean, maybe in the beginning, God will give you some tasks that you think you can do. You know, that happens. In the beginning, he gave me some things I thought I could do. I thought I was going to usher for the rest of my life. I was a good usher. I ain't lying. I'll get prideful, but I was a good usher. I know I was. You know how I know I was? Because everybody talked about how good of an usher I was. They talked in the, you know, the back about how good of an usher I was. I saw things the way an usher, I, I got trained by this man uh, over here. Uh, so it wasn't just in a, my, own, my own accord, but he is a good usher right and he taught me some things that that were that, that I took to heart and I ran with those things and those things blessed me and I'm like I could do this forever I loved ushering I love serving my pastor I love to get to go and travel with my pastor and serve him there was times I washed his underwear yes I washed my pastor's underwear I've done that before as an usher and I love doing it not because I love doing wash or because I love his underwear but because I I love serving God that way I was able but you know what was interesting is God's like this isn't what I have for you but I'm wait a minute God I got this figured out yeah. I can do this right yeah. but this isn't what I have for you this is what I have for you. well wait a minute God I don't want to do that because that involves a lot of things I don't like amen and a lot of things I'm not able to do I remember when I was uh, early on in my uh, in my walk with the Lord I was ushering I was in the back I was standing I was in a pastor but I was standing in the back. I knew that that was the projection of where I was going. I was, it was spot number three. I came up with the numbering system to make it easier for the ushers. I had those ushers organized. Yeah. You know, I used to, well, praise the Lord, I ain't going to get into that. But I, I, had to, I had them all like, right where they had to be. I had them all figured out, scheduled people, rotated them so they didn't feel like they were stuck in one spot all the time. And, 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 you know, and, but I always took spot number three. It was the kind of the overseer of the sanctuary. And I didn't do it out of pride. I did it because I knew that I would watch it, everything closely. And I, and I remember being back there and it was Wednesday night prayer and we were praying. And all of a sudden I had a vision. And that vision was of me preaching somewhere down the road. I remember seeing me preaching and I was like, I, I was like, how could I ever get there? Because I had spoke a few times. I never really preached a message, but I had spoke a few times at mentoring. God, uh, you know, my pastor let me. And I struggled to get nine minutes done. Struggled to, to talk about something for nine minutes. And struggled and struggled and struggled. But here I was, uh, and, and I knew that. And then here's the Lord showing me. Where, and I'm like, Lord, how are you going to bring me from here to there? I didn't know. But he did. And to this point today, even today, as I minister the word of God, I can minister under God's grace, not by my ability. I don't feel like it. I tell you all the time. I don't feel like coming to the pulpit. I tell you those things, again, not to think that I hate you or that I hate the church or anything like that. I don't tell you that so you think, oh, my pastor's weak. That's not why. I tell you that to realize that God's grace works in us. It doesn't matter who we are. And whatever he calls us to, it doesn't matter what it looks like, what it is, because his grace has already been set aside for you to do that. And it's been promised through Christ Jesus. The fact that he has, he has paid that path, paid that price for us, that he did it for us. It was a guarantee that we could. 
and I'll realize that in the weakness, the weakest parts of our life, amen, amen. praise God, in the weakest parts of our life, when we think that we are the least able, that's where God's grace shows its strength. And we're going to see that here in a minute. I actually have to skip over some scriptures, but that's okay because I, I really want to get to these today because the flow, I think it's right. But I want to, I want to give you another example, and this is something else that I saw over there, and this keeps coming back up to me. You know, we stayed with, I, I told you, I talked about Mama Lydia, and she was like my, she's like my Kenyan mother now, and she doesn't replace my mom, but she's a, just a precious woman to me, right? And, and she took care of me like a mother would when we were over there and, and stuff like that. And there was one point when we were walking from the women's prison into the men's prison. It was really hot. You know, it was kind of a hill. We'd been uh, in this, this like ceremonies and stuff all day long. And it was just, you know, it was really tiring and stuff. And we were, we were uh, going from one place to the other. And Mama Lydia, she was a little bit, you know, she was a little, she had been dealing with some health issues and she was a little bit wobbly. The woman, I mean, she's 70, just about 77 years old. And so she, you know, she's, uh, and she's, you know, had a, 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 a intense life and stuff like that. So she's just, you know, not the, at 77, because I know we have 77-year-olds or older in here. Uh, praise God for you, you know. But you know how, you know, at 47, I feel weak sometimes. And so here she was just having a little bit of hard time walking, you know, with some health issues and stuff. And I, I offered her my arm and I was walking with her. And she was fine with that. You know, she was good with that. But all of a sudden she's like, no, no, I got to do it on my own. And I looked, I watched this woman tap into strength that just didn't appear to be there. She's like, I just, I got to do it on my own. I got to do it on my own. And so she walked, she, she walked on her own. And I'm watching her and I'm thinking, man, you know, because of the day, everything, all the things that were working against us. And here she is. She, she made it just fine. Now, I'm not saying that is a, is a point for us to be stupid about things. Like, obviously, you know, there's times sometimes when we need to rely on certain things. And so you, you, between you and God on that, don't just take my words. But the reason that I saw what I saw here is I saw someone tap into God's grace that she was sure was there. She was convinced of it. In fact, that's exactly even how she spoke about it. She was convinced that because God was in her that she was able. And she did. And I thought that was just so precious for us because she didn't feel like it again. Just like I didn't feel like it. Just like you don't feel like it. God's, God's plan for our lives is not about what we feel like doing. It's what he's called us to do. And if he's called us, then all the ability is already there. Even and especially when it doesn't feel like it. Um, and, and, you know, in this country, one of the things we're blessed with is, is, is ease. But it can also be a curse, too, because we expect things to be easy. We expect things, you know, to overcome. We expect to be able to get what we want eventually and to be able to have what we want eventually. And even though there are some real godly things in that, God gave us this country. He made it this way. Uh, there are some things in that that can cause us to be weaker, too. And sometimes we need hardship. You know, I, I, I've looked at these last few years you know, in our nation, you know, the economy has kind of gone to pot. We've had, uh, you know, increase in all kinds of costs on everything. It seems like, it seems like uh, it's harder now than ever. You know, uh, I mean, it's just all these, all these things are coming against us. Gas prices, of course, uh, you know, they, they jumped up again, more than doubled. And all of these things that come against us, right? And I've seen so many Christians who are like, you know, complaining about it, and myself included. That we would complain about this and that, you know, the government's doing this. And yes, the government will do things, and, and sure, but, but none of that stuff of what they do has removed God's grace from our lives or our ability to do what God has called us to do. And so it's not a matter, as Christians, what we need to focus on is not what we're trying, uh, not what we think ought to be, not what we would like to see come to pass, but focus on what God's plan for our life is and then live within that sphere. When we live within God's plan, then we live within God's grace. And if we're within God's grace, we're never not able. We always have more than enough. We always have exactly what we need. And so when I saw this, it really opened new doors to me. When I was seeing this in my own life, I'm like, my Lord, you brought me all this way. What could I not do? And, it, it, and again, it was, wasn't it without cost? 
you know, I didn't get sick from any kind of diseases over there. So when I say I didn't get sick, I was, you know, I didn't get malaria. I didn't get yellow fever. I didn't get those things that can be a concern in those areas. I, uh, you know, uh, some of those things that can make you really sick and deathly sick and stuff like that. But, you know, I did experience some things with the food because of the food over there, they eat a lot of fried food. I don't eat a lot of fried food in my diet because my stomach doesn't deal well with fried food. But that was one of the only safe things I could eat over there. So we ate lots of fried food. Uh, and and, and uh, my stomach had issues because of that. On the plane, I, on the way back, I ate something that wasn't good. And when I got to JFK, I was so, I was so sick in my flesh. I, I, I just was like, oh, I just felt like death. I had the worst heartburn that I ever had. I wanted to throw up. I wanted to go to the bathroom. I wanted to do everything and couldn't do any of it. And I was just carrying around this feeling. And I still got to fly. I just want to get home. You understand? It's like all these things were coming against me there. Um, but God's grace was still with me. God's grace was still carried me through all that. And, you know, I prayed to God. Of course, we prayed and Michael prayed with me and we, we prayed for these things to end. And haven't we done that many times? We prayed for things. And yes, we should seek God as our healer. We should pray to him and say, Lord, you are my healer. And so I ask you to heal me in this or that or ask me to do it. And sometimes there'll be a miraculous healing and you won't be able to even explain it. Sometimes and a lot of times when you did nothing at all to receive it. And then sometimes you just deal with something for a little while. But God's grace is there to help deal with it. And that's okay. And for people that want to argue these things to me, I just say, show me otherwise. Show me otherwise. If it's just a matter of doing A plus B and you get C, I've watched lots of people do A plus B and they get Z, not C. Or maybe they get two and not, not, not a letter at all. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so show me in practicality. Show me one person who lives it. If, even if it is true, I've never seen somebody who can live it so well that it always comes to pass. So at the very least, we can set that aside and say, let's focus on something else because you're talking about, uh, you're talking about things that are, are, are fairy tales, things that don't really exist. Yeah. We don't always see the overcoming in our daily life. But that doesn't mean that overcoming isn't working within us the entire time. And when we embrace this, when we understand that, what we see is we see the beautiful work that God is actually doing. He's taking us, despite our weaknesses, despite our inabilities, and he's doing wonderful things within us and around us and to us and through us. Amen. And sometimes, brothers and sisters, you'll break so much so that you need somebody to just be there and tell you it's okay. You ever get to that point? You ever get to a point where it just hurts so bad, not just the pain, but life just hurts so bad that you need somebody else to be there? And do you know what that is? It's still God's grace. Because what's happening is God's grace is working through other people. And you don't know what those other people they're bringing are dealing with. But God's using them to lift you up. How many times God has sent me somebody in some of the darkest moments of my life, God has sent me somebody who needs what I know or what I've experienced. And by sharing that with them, I lift them up and then I get lifted up. God's grace is working. You see, God's grace is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing because it is completely independent of our desires, our abilities, our, 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 our likes, our dislikes, whatever it is, it's completely it's completely independent of our human nature. God's grace is supernatural. And so we look for the supernatural, and certainly I want to see the supernatural. I prayed for supernatural outpourings while we were in Kenya. Lord, I've never seen blind eyes open. Lord, I want to see that. And I didn't see any, but I saw God's grace. Amen. Amen. See, we want the supernatural. We think that it's in something that, that, we, can, that we can put a label on, that we can point to and say this. But sometimes what God wants us, and I think a lot of times what God wants us to understand is that his grace is showing because we just did. Because we made it. Because we're sitting here. Because we got here. We got to this point. Now, I know as I look around, there's hardships represented in this room. There's things that have come against you that have kept you from trying to get there. And perhaps at times things were so hard that you didn't think you were going to. But here you sit, today, by God's grace. 
There's a world, there's a devil that wants nothing more than to end everything that you've ever tried to do. He wants to end you just because he hates you. And yet here you sit by God's grace. And what's amazing about this grace is that even if you get to a place where it ended, like James, right? We're not going to James today, but I've been thinking about James a lot. James had a pretty bad ending. Actually, all these disciples had bad endings. I mean, even John, who was is, who is on the island of Patmos, exiled there, church history has him being boiled in oil. You know what I mean? He didn't die, but he at least got oiled, hot oiled, and not into a joyable degree. It wasn't a spa day or a bath. And, uh, you, you know, so even in that, so the, and he was exiled, he was cast aside. And even in those things, the devil still couldn't overcome because as a believer, our lives don't start and end. Our lives are eternal, as he's eternal. And he's the, he's the guarantee of that, amen? Praise God, hallelujah. Turn with me to second, well, you were in second Corinthians. Let's go to uh, chapter 12. Hallelujah. Chapter 12, verses 6 through 10. I know, brothers and sisters, we want answers for everything. Sometimes you get answers, sometimes you don't. Sometimes answers don't come easy, sometimes they come real easy. We want answers because that's what we... But, but beyond answers, we have to learn to trust God. Trusting God does not mean that everything that we always think should be will be. Because his plan supersedes all that. I can't tell you how many times my distress has led me to a place of blessing someone else. And if my discomfort, if my distress... Think about this. I mean, the first part of my life, especially my, my adult life is what I'm talking about. I gave my testimony over there in Kenya. I've given it in pieces here many times. Um, but the, the, the first part of my adult life was marked with such awful things. So many things that, that, that were destructive. And then when I went through, you know, to the point where it constantly brought me to this place of wanting to end my own life. And yet here I stood in Kenya giving this and it completely changed the lives of at least one person that I know. And that report has come back to me in, in, in wonderful ways. But if all of that happened and God saw me through to get to that place where I could help one other person overcome it was all worth it. Now, don't get me wrong. If he gives me a choice to go back and redo it, I probably ain't going to do it. But I did, and God's grace saw me through. And that is the thing that he taught me about his grace, is that even when we don't feel it, it's there. Just, we just access it by, or, or we experience it, I guess. Actually, you don't even experience it. can't even say that. Because you don't even experience God's grace by what you do. You experience God's grace because it's there. Amen? <laughs> Praise God. I mean, it, we, we receive salvation through faith, but salvation is paid for every person that exists. Yeah. It's already paid for. Yeah. It's a free ticket. Amen? That's God's grace. 2 Corinthians 12, 6. These are really important for us. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain... Uh, I refrain so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Now, I don't know how you use the word torment, but I don't typically use torment for a slight affliction. I typically don't use the word torment if I got a headache. You know, uh, yesterday I, 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 I tried to just dig, uh, dig in a couple holes that were started by my son and Kirk over here. And, and, and I, I got this twinge in my back at some point when I did that. Right now I don't feel it, praise the Lord, but I felt it all last night. I felt it all this morning. And it was there. It was annoying and it was a, a painful annoying. You know what I mean? And yet... I didn't think about using the word torment. I, didn't, I mean, I didn't think about using many words. I went, you know, I was a little uncomfortable a few times. My wife said, did you hurt yourself? Because she knew that I was, I, was, I was doing something, you know. And I was like, yeah, I think I might have, you know. But I wasn't using the word torment. Torment is not a light affliction. 
He said, Paul saying that he was given a thorn in his side, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Do you know, brothers and sisters, there is no indication in Scripture, none whatsoever, that this thorn ever left Paul. I said there's no indication that this thorn ever left him. And that's amazing. When I understood that, when I learned that, I was, I, I was kind of wowed by that. You know, there's a lot of people that say that you can just, you can just, you know, by your words, you can just push everything away or stuff. I don't believe that because I've seen just the opposite. And if you can prove it to me otherwise, well, then maybe I'll start believing it. But I haven't seen that. And I certainly have never seen that in the people that God used in Scripture. But what I see is I see people with God's grace be used in Scripture to do amazing things, things they never could do. And the Apostle Paul was certainly one of them. He was used to change the entire Corinthian church and yet they didn't even look at him as somebody who, who was... They, listen to me. The people that Paul ministered to did not look at him, were not looking at him as one to listen to. So he was saying things. Have you ever been there? Have you ever listened to something? Like, I don't like what they're saying. I don't like how they're saying. I don't really... This isn't my flow or whatever. But listen. Listen because you don't know what God spe who's God speaking through. Yeah. Sometimes he'll speak through, 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 through the most... Uh, the, the, the craziest people to you, God will speak through and he'll use. But, but, but again, he was given a messenger. He was given. He was given. Now, I, don't, I, I, don't, I, I, might, I might step on some religious toes here, and I hope I do. Mine too. That's why I got the long-toed shoes, because if we step on them, we won't get them. Uh, just the tips, maybe. Right? He was given. When are we ever told that the, the devil gives? He's a thief. What does a thief do? do? He steals. Paul was given a thorn in his flesh. I'll let you take that where you want. But he was given to him. It was given to him. And it was given to him so that he wouldn't become conceited. Oh, I, I'm actually going to take this further because now I see it even more. <clears throat> the devil would want nothing more than to puff up Paul's flesh. Yeah. The devil wanted, would want nothing more than Paul to enter into conceit, to be conceited. Do you hear what I'm saying? He said he was given a thorn in the flesh to keep him from being conceited at the revelations that God gave to him. What does that mean? Does God allow? Did God allow? Did he really allow? Even more than this, Paul didn't say he allowed a devil into my life. Even my wife's looking at me. You going with me? You can see where I'm going. He was given. He was given. He was given this spirit, this thorn in the flesh, this messenger of Satan. Did God make it evil? No, I don't believe so. Did God, uh, in, in, does he, does, does he uh, embrace evil or does he uh, authorize evil? I don't think God does that. Does he allow evil? Yes, he does. Does he allow evil into our lives? He can, as he did with, 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 with uh, this wasn't from God in the sense that God wasn't making him sick or whatever the thorn was. It wasn't like that God just hated Paul's flesh, but he, gave, he was given this for this purpose. I know this is, this is, this is, this is heavy, this is hard. I, I, I would have probably hated me for preaching this two years ago. But God's been doing a work in me. I'll just be honest with you. I would have hated myself for saying these things. I said, no way could have God done this. No way could this have been from God. But... I'll move on unless we, we lose y'all. Amen? But he was given a, a, a thorn in the flesh. And I'll, you know, I'll even open this up later on. If, if you can come at this from a, another angle and really see it another way, considering what I presented to you, please do. Let's talk about it. If I'm wrong, I'll repent. But he was given, we know this, it was given a thorn, Paul was given a thorn in my, his flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, not to just hurt me, not to just get me a little bit, you know, prick me once in a while. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it from me. I thought you were going to use your faith, Paul. I thought Paul used his faith. I, I thought you were going to use your faith to overcome this. He pleaded 
with the Lord. Again, we're seeing words here that aren't words that we give for slight afflictions. You, you, you don't go to God and plead unless there's something that you need so desperately you need it to stop God. This has got to stop. It's too much. I can't handle that. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I don't know how I could possibly get over with this. Lord, please, three times he pled with the Lord. That's not a prayer, a passing prayer that you say all oh, because you just thought of it. This is something he's thought about and he's prayed about. He's pleaded with the Lord, God, take this from me. Three times he pleaded that way. Go to the next verse. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect when you're empowered and now you're something and now you're able and I've removed the thorn. No, my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. One more verse. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Brothers and sisters, it's when you are not able that God's grace can take over and do exactly what God's grace is there to do. And where our peace comes from is when we learn to trust him for that, just as the Apostle Paul did. He said, I know how to abase and abound. He didn't say, I always abound. He said, I know how to abase and abound. Abase is when you don't have enough. It's when you're looking, reaching up to touch bottom. It's when you can't. It's when there's nothing. You know, that's what abasing is. Have you ever abased? But Paul said, I know how to do both. Yeah. And what his, his indication was, not that I abased once and, and now I abound. That's not what it was because we see through Paul's life there was times of, of, of great supply and great ability. And then there was times where there was nothing there. But he learned how to do it. How did he learn to do it? By God's grace. He trusted in God's grace. He trusted in the fact that it wasn't just him anymore. It was no longer I who lives, but it was Christ who lives in me. Christ is empowering me. Jesus is in me. His spirit is working with me, empowering me to do whatever he has called me to do. So whatever stands before me, whatever the devil tries to bring against me, God's grace is enough. And though I don't feel it, though I don't feel like I can, though I don't even believe I can, though nobody else around me will tell me I can because I know God. I know that he will. I know that he'll carry me through. I know he'll take me into the fulfillment of his plan for my life. And when you know that, it doesn't matter what else comes against you. I'm not saying you won't feel it. Many days you won't feel good. I've tried to feel great every day. I would love nothing more than to feel great every day. But brothers and sisters, I just don't. When I was in Kenya, I thought, man, I am doing the work of the Lord, and I was doing the work of the Lord. I thought, what, what greater things could I possibly do if this is all God ever had me to do? I felt, man, I've accomplished what God has, has sent me to do. I've done something way more than I ever thought that I would. And yet when I come back, the deepest of the depressions had settled on me, and not because it was me just being depressed, me just thinking wrong. I had no reason to think wrong. The devil's attack, he weighed down. You think that the devil is going to let you just get away with taking ground? Do you think you're, the devil is just going to let you skirt through life and be effective for Jesus? Of course he isn't. But God's grace is more powerful for the, than the devil. It doesn't matter what he brings against you. It doesn't matter how you feel in the moment. The only thing that matters is that God's grace is filling you up from the inside out and that everything else comes from the outside and tries to get to that thing on the inside of you. It's trying to rip it out your heart, trying to take it away from you. But if you won't let him have it, he can't have it because God's grace has ensured that you will keep it. And so, brothers and sisters, as we leave here today, if there's anything that I want you to get, God's grace is in you right now. Yeah. It's ready to be accessed right now. I don't care how old you are. We got some little ones in here, right? God's grace, because of their parents, is working in them right now. God's grace is, 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 is bringing them into the right place right now. So we trust in God's grace that regardless of how it looks, regardless of how it feels, God's grace is building us from the inside out. We are God's building. We are his field. We are his workmanship. God doesn't build buildings that fall down and collapse. 
He, build, he builds buildings. He's coming back for a glorious church. The Bible says that we are a city on a hill. can't be hid. We are the light of the Lord. We are the salt of the earth. What more do we need? This is who we are. And so we embrace who we are. And certainly there'll be miracles. There'll be things God will do. And let's rejoice when we have those. Let's rejoice with one another. Isn't it wonderful? I mean, my favorite thing is when one of you come up to me and say, testimony time. God did this in my life. God did that in my life. I don't know how this happened. I have seen so many testimonies as a pastor. So many testimonies. And it just, man, it just blesses me. And it needs to bless us one another. We need to build each other up. Give each other your testimony. When you have a testimony, you don't have to fake it. When you have a testimony, give it to your brother and sister. Because certainly we complain to one another enough. We might as well give a testimony once in a while too, right? I don't care if it's a little thing. You know what? God did something great in me today, and this is what it was. He opened this door or that door. Man, God has done so many great things in my life, I've forgotten about a lot of them. Sometimes he reminds me of them. I'm like, whoa, what an amazing thing. Amen? Amen. Does that mean it's giving me another 60 minutes? No. No? Praise the Lord. Praise God. I want to quote uh, a really, uh, a really uh, important preacher. Are you ready? This is my wife. It's way more significant when it's not a bunch of talented people doing what their talents do. This morning we were talking about these things, and that's what she said to me, and I wrote it down instantly because I was like, oh, that's good. I'm going to quote that preacher. Amen? It's way more significant when it's not a bunch of talented people doing what their talents do. Right? It's, I mean, it's always impressive when you see talent, but it's even more impressive when you see one who has no talent come in and just clean house. Amen? Amen? 